silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, a Looney Tunes podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hallam, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmidt, and um, to... You know, we, we've done a lot of weeks of this of this podcast um, commemorating classics and legendary moments from the 40s and 50s and, and 60s and such, but for this episode and for next episode, we are going to go back to the mystifyingly ancient year of 2020. <laughs> Oh no, do we have to? Yeah, we have to. Um, because in our efforts to be hip and now and cool, we are covering the hip and cool and now Looney Tunes cartoons on HBO Max. What we're going to be doing, and not to foreshadow too much as to the direction of the podcast in the next little stretch of time, but after our next movie episode, which is coming very soon. Oh my God, so soon. Oh my god, I, I cannot wait for that, and I'm sure you guys are going to love that episode when we do it. Um, we are going to be looking at a lot of post-Golden Age attempts to bring back the Looney Tunes, especially to like television. We're going to be looking at a lot of those projects, rather than just the Golden Age cartoons, which we have for the last 60-something. Yeah, yeah, because we want to be, we want to be thorough in our, yes. um, in our show. Because we're a Looney Tunes podcast, that includes anything that's Looney Tunes... It's fair game, exactly. And we and it's it's not like it's not like the whole like um, champagne thing. Like champagne only is found in a certain part of France, and otherwise it's sparkling water. Um, no, uh, Looney Tunes don't have to be just directed by you know Jones and Freeling and McKimson and Clampett and Tashlin and Avery to, in order to be classic Looney Tunes. They can come from anyone, any time period. They just have to be good. And we are going to be assessing a lot of these, you know, fairly. But before we do any of that, we wanted to check out one of the new, very recent sort of developments in these Looney Tunes um, uh, characters, I guess, and do the one that's sort of popping up now on, on TV and streaming. Because a lot of people online uh, are are really head over heels in love with this, and a lot of them have a lot of other casuals have some opinions about it. And we wanted to talk about it because that's what we do. And it's so recent that I believe the day we're recording this, they did release a trailer for like a new special they're doing. That's the point yeah. Max, like today. So it is very much the hip and now. Yeah, it, 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 if, if we didn't talk about this, we'd be doing it a service to the, a lot of what's going on right now. We're archivists, but we're also, you know, we're, we're, we're a Looney Tunes podcast, and so these are the Looney Tunes. This is what they're up to now. Uh, we're going to see if this one is worth its um, worth its weight in gold. And what we're doing, right. just to tell you how the next two episodes are going to go, uh, we have picked, no, no, we haven't picked anything. You guys have been doing the picking. You guys picked... Um, uh, some short, because we, we said on Twitter about uh, a couple weeks ago that we're doing this episode, and like, like, it would be unfair if us, people who, honestly, we haven't really watched these. We haven't no. watched any of Max shorts. Nothing personal. It's just, you know, we were busy. In fact, we'll get into exactly how busy when we uh, get into the show, the shorts proper. Yeah. But 
so we did we asked you guys on Twitter to like, hey, give us suggestions like what are HBO Max Looney Two cartoons we should look. And a lot of you guys gave in your suggestions. We we got eight of them, which is a lot. So, um, yeah, so it's because of you guys that we have the shorts we're going to be looking at today. And um, you guys didn't do that bad. It just kind of unfortunately didn't do that bad. <laughs> no, you, you really didn't. I mean, and also just to make it clear, we're going to do four of these this week and then four of them next week. And the ones we're covering today are all from the first batch of Looney Tunes cartoons from the initial rollout on HBO Max from last May. Um, but the next four are from a little bit later on, or relatively later on. And uh, hopefully you guys gave us a nice little range of what this show can do. Yes. So how we're going to cover this in these two, ep- in two episodes, it's we're not going to necessarily go through the entire thing and give it an animal rating. So, for example, we're not going to look at episode one and go, okay, look at all these. The animal rating is a four out of five or something. Because that's ridiculous. Because they're because di- each episode has two full shorts and one, like, short thing put in there. Yeah. Just to... Yeah. So, what we're going to do is... I get this kind of like a super deluxe, there's like super deluxe episodes, because what these are is we're going to be looking at an episode and all, all three material that is in each episode. Right. So, so each one of us, we split up. So, you know, it's going to be like Jordan's going to do two episodes and talk about them, and then I'll do two episodes and talk about them, and we'll talk about each short. And we'll give them their own separate animal rating. Right. Uh, the second thing, unlike the previous episodes where you'd be like, oh, it's written by Chuck Jones, it was written by Michael Maltese, and that's it. These were di- these were directed and written by multiple people. Mm-hmm. In which um, we will give credit to each person who did contribute to the short because yes. that's only fair. Yes. And it's, it's tricky because. Not every short that we're covering has the sort of credits in front of them. Some of them you gotta wait till the end and be like, oh yeah, these guys worked on this. Um, so it's it's inconsistent like that. So sometimes you have to do a, a dig a little deeper. But um, and also like there's also like writers that work on every single cartoon. There's also like one of like there's really only one of four directors that can land on projects. It's 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 weird. It's 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 different. And we're going to be thorough in, in, in giving credit. Yes. Also, a lot of these were released on the same day. Yeah, so there's no use doing the, the on this day shit. We're not going to do the on this day thing. Uh, there is, well, there's only two things we could say for on this day, but we'll get there when we get to the first episode. Yeah. All right. So All right. that's what we're doing today. So shall we uh, go into the history of how we even came here. Mark, because, Mark, um, why don't you tell the yeah. people what we're covering? Which episodes? Right. Thank you. All right. <laughs> of course. The episodes we're covering are... <laughs> see, this is why I have... This is why I need a co-host. This is why you keep me around. Yes, yeah, why I keep you around. All right, so... The episodes we are covering are... Episode 1, which has the following shorts. Curse of the Monkey Bird and harm wrestling 
we're going to be covering episode two, which has Big League Beasts, a, a little um, Elmer Bugs short thing, and Firehouse Frenzy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> then we will be covering episode five, which has Pest Coaster and Rhino You Don't. And our and the last uh, episode we'll be looking at is episode seven, which has Siberian Sam, a quick little uh, segment, as well as Fleece and Desist. Mm -hmm. Okay, now we can get into backstory. <laughs> All right, Jordan, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. There are moments in history that people remember. You know, there's, you know, where were you on the day Kennedy got assassinated, or on 9-11, or Hurricane Katrina, or insert celebrity death here. Oh, I have a question okay. for you. Mm -hmm. Where were you on June 11th, 2018? Um, God. I was, oh, I think I know where I was in June 2018. I was, I think, uh, somewhere. I was on a road trip across um, across the um, across America. I was I was on a baseball road trip that 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 month, and I was probably in either Cincinnati or Detroit or, or one of those places. But I was on the road when that happened. <laughs> I I believe I, I was at my first job. Oh, so what happened on June eleventh, twenty eighteen? is a press release came out saying, hey, Warner Bros. Animation is going to make a thousand minutes of new Looney Tunes content. Okay, <laughs> hold on. That's insane. You know, you're one off from the rabbit tails. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, a thousand minutes. Yes, and you know, it's a, a, a variety of length. Could be 30 seconds. Could be seven minutes, could be longer, and it could be shown anywhere. It could be on a mobile phone. It could be potentially the big screen and what have you. So we freaked out because yes. as a Looney Tunes fan in 2018, sure, you had the Looney Tunes show. And um, was the Wabbit cartoon around this time? Yeah, Wabbit was 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 doing things, and we were sort of shrugging it off. Like, eh, it's only Wabbit, you know, it's, it's fine. It's yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. So this came as a complete surprise because one of this is the most interest Warner Bros. has ever shown the Looney Tunes in a while with that level mm -hmm. of dedication. So I'm like, okay, who's in charge of this? And now, okay, it's Peter Browngart, and we're thinking, okay. Who is that? And it's like, no, he's the creator of Uncle Grandpa. And uh -huh. people, <laughs> and some people were like, okay, I can kind of see it. Other people were like, I hate Uncle Grandpa. It's well, this and this and that. And I um, mean, the best you can say about Uncle Grandpa is that it definitely has a very specific style and sense of humor. Um, I, 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 I haven't seen much of it. But from what I've seen rolling around, or just from the stylization of that, it definitely seems like it's... It's funny, because I was just talking about something like this uh, on my other podcast. But um, Uncle Grandpa and Peter Browngart do seem like 
they were both influenced by the Looney Tunes in some odd way. And so the decision to have someone influenced by the Looney Tunes, making a new Looney Tunes show while also having a lot of, you know, establishment Cartoon Network sort of things under his belt was an idea. It was definitely an idea. Yeah. We just needed to see how it would go. And it came because he he was at a meeting and just said, you know, I really like to direct a Looney Tunes short. And immediately they sent him to Sam Register, like, talk to him. Here yeah. you go. We'll work something out. And sure enough, they're able to get a thousand minutes of Looney Tunes content, which, which is insane. That yeah. is insane. And from there, you know, the, the, the sort of clientele start rolling around. You know, he, he, he lands Eric Bowser, who had just recently, like, been, like, approached to do a lot of these characters for Warner. Um, yeah. He gets Jim Soper, who had been doing a lot of very stylized uh, Looney Tunes character stuff and other character stuff on Instagram. Um, he would be the character designer. All of the different character models would be from Jim Soper. Um, he started accumulating writers, animators. Uh, he got um, both Carl Johnson and Joshua Mosher to be music um, orchestrators. Um, the pieces began to come together in 2017 and 2018. Yes, and he was also able to get Jeff Bergman in on, on the action, which... Yeah. That that's great. And yeah, yeah so it got it's got uh Bob Bergen and to do Porky because of course. Yeah, no, he gets a lot of like pretty uh, I like a lot of the people that were doing the Warner slash Cartoon Network Looney shows around this time and were in the projects, he was able to get all of them for the most part. Like, you know, Bob Bergen, Jeff Bergman, Fred Tatasciore. Um, but he also, he's not exactly stunt casting with a lot of the other people. He's, he's getting a lot of voice acting lifers with, uh, with just a lot, like, to come by and do other characters, like Carlos Eldoraki and, um, Tom Kenny does Tom a couple. Kenny. Yeah, Tom Kenny, we're, we're going to be covering one of in this. Um, yes. Corey Burton, Roger Craig Smith, a lot of just voice acting, Kevin Michael Richardson, a lot of voice acting lifers go and help out. So it's not just the people that had been doing it. It's just a little bit of everybody. And it's not just getting, right. oh, get Fred Armisen to play Speedy or get Kristen Wiig to play Lola. No, it's it's very much a, a, a lower budget cast ever. But it was also people who were good at it. Right. So they do this announcement in 2018. We kind of don't hear anything for a while. And then there's a um, kind of like a presentation for HBO Max. That's we're doing HBO Max. It's Warner Brothers' big streaming service, and here's what we're gonna have day one. We're gonna have friends, friends, um, just friends, nothing else, just friends, <laughs> friends. But also, if you're interested, a lot of animation, a yeah. lot of Cartoon Network programming, a lot of '90s, 2000s Cartoon Network programming. And, oh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of Looney Tunes cartoons. That was, I think they said, like, I think they passed, like, 500 classic Looney Tunes cartoons. Like, some Something crazy like that, yeah. number that's, like, like sold. Like, you got me. Okay, uh, I'll do your thing. And then they announced, oh, and also on launch, we're going to have 
the Looney Tune cartoons, our new Looney Tune cartoons exclusively on HBO Max. So the idea originally pitched of, you know, they'll be anywhere. They kind of talked themselves down a bit and went, okay, let's put it on HBO Max. Let's lose subscriber numbers because people are going to want to watch this, which that's fine. Um, You know, because, hey, we get them. So they asked, okay, so they're all coming on May 27, 2020. Awesome. So May 27th launches... Thankfully, I was able to get HBO Max for free through my cable subscription. So Same. immediately, first day, go on to the Looney Tunes section and watch at least one of these. I, I, I did watch the very first one that you'll be uh, covering, uh, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Watched that one, went, this is good. And then I kind of just never got around to it. Um, I did watch the Pest Coaster one that, that um, I'll be covering. Uh, I, I did watch that because they put that on YouTube yeah. as kind of like a sample player. They, they, they did do that. They did put some of the cartoons on YouTube and Twitter as like a, hey, you know, HBO Max, we got we got each cartoons. Come here. Come over here. And so May 27th comes around and within the first couple of weeks, the... Um, analytics comes in about okay what because HBO Max Friends was essentially an HBO Max original they were relying on like they they didn't really have at least from my memory the big like you know Disney Plus had had uh, the Mandalorian you know HBO uh, Max didn't really have that big thing to launch with so when they no. launched they had newly two cartoons and the Sesame Street Not Too Late Show with Elmo program. And mm-hmm. they were the highest, most watched original programming on the surface. Yeah. Uh, on the service, which is great. I mean, okay, yes, part of that may be, well, there's not much here. Might as well watch the Looney Tunes cartoons. But the fact that enough people were like, yeah, I'll give this a watch and kill. You have to remember that, like, this was also during the pandemic. And, right. like, a lot of people were stuck at home. And so when HBO Max sort of, you know, springs into place and, and you know, and, and you know, the, the, this comes on, people are going to go apeshit about it, especially if they have kids. So this was very fortuitous for them. And it is still doing pretty well on there, I believe. So do we want to get into the first of these? Do you want to talk about the release schedule or not? Um... We can briefly bring that up. Um, they, the way that they've been releasing this has been um, sporadic, to say the least. Um, every couple of months, we'll get a couple of episodes. Like they, they're being released in ten episode packages. Um, so we, though the original, the initial rollout, we got ten, and then like six months later, we got another ten. A couple months later, we got another ten. Um, it's a very sporadic rollout so that we don't get too much at once and we have enough time to watch the ones we have. I, I think they're doing a good enough job with it. I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good. I think what's funny is that they're released and like, because there's no like existing theme with them. It's just whatever is done is released. Because I believe that the, in the newest pack that came out like a month ago, um, where it's Bugs playing basketball against like, a big brute. Um, according yeah. to Eric Bowser, that was his first Bugs Bunny short, and it oh, came wow. out 
in 2021. So how they release this stuff, it's a little bit uh, shifty. But I do think you can tell in some, in some areas of these shorts, we can kind of tell where it was kind of early versus where they know what, what they're doing. Yeah. Some of them. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Anything else we need to set up before uh, we get into this? Um, well, do you want to talk about what happened when uh, the first episode was released and what we were doing? <laughs> um, well, uh, I think that was a day we were recording, right? Uh, no, so we recorded, okay, so we recorded the very first episode of the show on May 28th of 2020. Yeah. So we were, so when these shorts came out, we were doing like no prep for our very first episode. Yes. We definitely owe it to you guys that we do this because we were literally so, so it's like new new Legion materials out there and we're just sitting here going so a wild hair. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing friggin' a wild hair and um, a blooper bunny. And meanwhile the yes. Looney Tunes cartoons are going, uh, hey, uh, we're here too. No, 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 not fucking important right now. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Olivia de Havilland who will live forever. Yes. She is never going to die. Um, oh, God. Okay. Now can we get into episode one? Yes, we may. All right, so episode one. <laughs> All right, so this is the very first one that dropped uh, on May 27th. Um, if you want, if We're not doing it on this day for these because we were in lockdown and nothing happened. Um, okay. Also, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out the very first episode of the show has a 30-second recorded intro from Kevin Smith. Um, Clerks with Looney Tunes characters. Go. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. They had that later. I, I, I remember that, I, that wasn't there when it first dropped. But um, really? I, I feel like... I, I, I don't think so. But also, I feel, I feel Kevin Smith was talking about the proper Looney Tunes. Because there, there's no way he, like, knew that this was going to be a part of the new Looney Tune cartoons. <laughs> well, either way, you know, I, I, I think he knew what It's nice. About. I think he had an idea. It's, it is. It's nice. It, it's it, awesome. Yeah. It, it just it just makes me think about how, if, if Kevin Smith had directed a, a, a Looney Tunes movie. 37! My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks uh, in a row? I had to. I had to. So again, how all these cartoons works is that you get the opening uh, title card, Looney Tunes cartoons, which is scored by an orchestra warming up, as in, you know, the rest of this is sort of like a symphony. So that's very classy. And then uh, every cartoon gets a little, um, you know, uh, old-fashioned Looney Tunes... Um, like opening sequence, like yeah, you know, with you know, it's it's a lot like the Disney cartoons um, that they've done contemporarily and and all time, where they give you a little um, hint as to who's going to be starring in these, uh, yes. especially if it's a flagship character. So like mm -hmm. you know, they have like the the Bugs one, or they have the Porky and Daffy one, or of others of that ilk. I will say though, um, this was the full opening theme for the very first one.
they don't do that in each cartoon. No. Some of them is very much like, like it's, it's very quickly done so that they can um, conserve time. Which, it's streaming. There, there are no commercial breaks. You go as long as you want. It's like, come on. Studio mandated time limits. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the first one, you know, it shows you this is a Porky and Daffy cartoon, like the old fashioned, you know, them hanging out the, the little uh, ring intro. That's cool. Um, and the first one we have here is, ironically, the first one that was premiered at Annecy in Ju June 2019, and the first cartoon produced, which is called Curse of the Monkey Bird. Um, you, you know it's early, because Pete Browngart directs it himself. Um, and he he co-wrote it with uh, Eddie Tregueros and uh, the perennial writer Johnny Ryan. So, um, that's an interesting note. This is the very first taste that anybody got of Looney Tunes cartoons. Even if it was, you know, the executives at Annecy. It's very much a trial run. And that's what I have to emphasize when we're getting into this. This is early. This is a trial run. So, getting into it, um, sort of like the originals, it's clear what's a backdrop and what's an asset. You get all this sort of buildup of a backdrop of this sort of jungle thing, and then you just see the asset sort of, you know, plopped out of it, like birds, and, and then Porky and Daffy on a very tired and aggravated elephant. And so it's, very, it's clear which is which. And here we get the conceit of this, literally... Porky telling it to camera, where, you know, Porky and Daffy are in the jungle looking for the, the treasure of the ancient monkey bird. And did, how do I put this? Did it bother you as much as it bothered me that instead of starting with, like, you know, a very, like, regular tussle or a, a two-hander with different characters... We're instead starting with this sort of very Cartoon networky monkey bird sort of plot? Well, I'll put it this way. This short is Looney Tune characters going to a temple to find a piece of treasure that is named after a monkey. Wait, I saw this one before. They're going to disappear <laughs> for like six years and going to be really sad. And no. <laughs> I mean, that's not where I was going, but yeah. Um, no, it just, it feels like a very Cartoon Network show sort of premise of, you know, the city of the ancient monkey bird. It doesn't seem very Looney Tunes. No, it's so funny you say that, because that's kind of what the Looney Tunes show right was, right? It was kind of like a two-handed tussle, but in like a realistic setting. So, yeah, I guess... Well, this isn't really domestic. No, it's not. That's weird. It's, it... I don't, I don't know how I feel about Porky and Daffy saying the phrase monkey bird a lot because, like, it doesn't... This could be an Uncle Grandpa plot. This could be a Amphibia pop plot. This could be any other establishment animated show. And here it's just right. the Looney Tunes doing basically what could have been any... All right. I, I, all right, I'll get into the actual content of it because, you know, there's a lot that does work in this. Like, um... First of all, the designs and personalities oh, throughout the entire series are basically just like what Clampett and Tashlin would have wanted. Like, they're very, like, just 
quick and zany and goofy and emphasizing the very 1940s aspects of these characters. That's what's like very evident about a lot of these. This is not the 50s type where they were a little bit more confident. This is the 40s where it was completely loony. Which credit credits do. They've been their 50s selves for like close to over 50 years by this point. So yeah. I, I do understand the, the, the desire for this crew to be like, let's go back. Let's actually go back to crazy. For example, let's go back to crazy wild Daffy, which yeah. I found to be a highlight. I, I really did like the, the wild crazy Daffy in this. Yeah, me too. I, I also just, I like the cutaway that it reveals this expedition is to pay off all those parking tickets. It, it, it seems like an Uncle Grandpa gag, but it works. Again, the voices are spot on. Bob has been doing Porky for years. Eric as Daffy fighting with himself and Porky, but mostly himself, is pure Daffy. Mel would have been proud. The animation here overall is pretty impressive, <clears throat> using cool angles and, and scene elements like Porky's face sort of talking through the map. Like, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of really cool animated ideas here, but a lot of the sort of plot things and their attempts to do Indiana Jones things don't work as well because the, the gags just feel like they've been done before. Like, okay, the sequence where Daffy keeps setting up all the, setting off all the booby traps and torturing Porky with them feels like a union between Brown Guard's Uncle Grandpa sensibilities and the Looney Tunes influence. How the traps keep getting more specific, like a horse kicking Porky in the face, and the things that set them off being more ridiculous, like Daffy taking yeah. a deli number. Like that the, yeah. the last one with Porky's hospital bed going down a trap door yes. is peak ridiculous. Yeah. Like they they make it work, and it's very funny. But just a lot of these are like, well, what do you think is gonna happen? They're going through a temple, and then you know, there's dangerous. It's 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 not really like it's, it's not really tailored to these characters. as I mean, it sort of is in parts, but a lot of these gags are very normal. Yeah, and I will say, as much as I, as I love Daffy in this, I really do, this yeah. does feel more like a demonstration of, we got Crazy Daffy back. Look how crazy it is. Isn't it great that we have Crazy Daffy back? And that's great. What about Porky? Or yeah. just kind of... He gets damaged, which is funny, because, you know, the, the, you got that sensibility down. But, yeah, it's a Porky and Daffy cartoon, and Daffy kind of gets the most laughs. Yeah, Porky doesn't do enough playing off of Daffy in this. He's just yeah. sort of a foil for all the pain to happen to. Okay, once we actually get into the sort of main temple... Where, where the monkey bird kind of lives. Um, first of all, the detail of the monkey bird monthly magazine is just goofy enough. But then we get this stale suck out the poison gag. Or as Daffy says it, fuck out the poison. Okay, A, Daffy digging his own grave here is very silly. But B, the line, fuck, fuck, put your back into it. And the, the you know what you're doing. You know exactly what you're doing. Hey, man. Um, the Hayes Code doesn't exist anymore. They can make these jokes now. <laughs> yep. Well, we'd love to, really, but the HBO Max censors won't allow it. Um, and the eventual real the reveal that it's the monkey bird's leg is kind of... I didn't exactly get it. I didn't exactly get where the sleight of hand started there. 
Um, and then we just get some very basic chase gags, other than other than the roller coaster photo gag, which I loved. These are just very basic and just very empty, honestly. We do through this monkey bird chase, and again, the monkey bird is this sort of fleshed out Ted Tadaschiore character, um, but he doesn't really have that much of a character. He's just your regular everyday sort of angry Looney Tunes beast. And it, it, it's not exactly like, it's not, again, it's not specific to Looney. It could be just from any cartoon. Yeah. And then thankfully the best part of this cartoon happens where like Daffy tries flirting with the beast in order to get rid of it. And yes, then it ends up being a full on wedding ending complete with the snake um, reading the vows yeah, and I just love because uh, Daffy really gets the monkey bird in by saying, "Will you wear my Letterman's jacket?" And it's a WB <laughs> Letterman's jacket. That's great. Which you can order through the Warner Brothers catalog. Yeah, if you have an extra two hundred dollars. Yeah, you probably got it from there. Yeah, I, I did love that little bit of a meta detail, but yeah, the um, yeah, snake being the feature was just. It was just silly enough. Though I, I, yes. I think it would have been a little bit even more funnier if it turns out all of a sudden he starts speaking English. <laughs> just speaking normal. It's like, do you, sir, take this this monkey bird to be your... Yeah, it would have been great. But no, I, I, I thought it was great. And then we get this sort of ending because, you know, Daffy literally, like, you know, gets them back home with the treasure. And the treasure ends up being a golden egg that contains... Dozens and hundreds of monkey bird offspring that now <laughs> that now think that they're their parents and monkey and um, and Porky says that this might have been the curse he was referring to, wasn't it? Uh, it's kind of simple, sort of works. So again, the energy is there, the, the Daffy character is there, the Clampet speed of animation is there. But also the uncle-grandpa influence is there, and the Cartoon Network sort of background is there. And I think this being the first one seems very, very evident, because it seems more in common with Braungart's Cartoon Network roots and uncle-grandpa roots than it does with Bill and Tim's. And it, it, this plot, and this could have happened to any flagship character in the WB catalog. Um, yes, Daffy being goofy lifts it a little bit, but it seems very generic. Um, I do think the best thing this uh, short had going for it was Wacky Daffy, both in the animation mm -hmm. as well as in, in the voice acting. I think it was really good there. Um, besides from that, I, I, I did like some of the, um, the, the, uh, the craziness going on with the temple, what have you, but I do think the monkey bird design it was a bit too general in a, in design. I thought it, it could have been, like you said, any monster from any TV show. But um, I I personally feel there were more, especially in, in the ones we'll be covering, I do think there are more shorts that aren't as loony as... Uh, I, I can still see this one being a Looney Tunes cartoon where I can see other instances of it being kind of not that... So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I give that one a 3 out of 5. I'm also giving that a 3 out of 5. Okay, cool. All right, moving right along. 
the the little um, the 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 time filler gag here, where Marvin the Martian um, sort of uh, punctures Mars or punctures Planet X. Um, it's cute. It's fine. Very simple though. Um, I give that a three out of five. Yeah, same. Yeah, five. It's fine. Okay. All right. <laughs> Flying through. Um, Harm Wrestling is the second part of this um, episode. Uh, David Gemmel directed it, wrote it with Ryan Cadam, uh, uh, Jacob Fleischer, and Johnny Ryan again. He, Johnny Ryan writes all of these. Um, this is a good old-fashioned Western set Sam cartoon. But the concept is that Sam now arm wrestles everyone in the West. Hmm. Sam used to just be able to shoot people. And now he just arm wrestles them. Hmm. This was around the time that people were complaining about Elmer and, and his gun being taken away. And while Elmer, I think, can still do things as a hunter without his rifle, Yosemite Sam being resorted to arm wrestling is not as sort of smooth of a transition as WB wants it to be. In my opinion, I I mean that there is another Sam cartoon that we'll be covering that I think is able to do Sam without the uh, without the uh, guns. But um, oh yeah, the, the, there's two that that I think are a much better uses of Sam. But yeah, this one conceptually, this, I was a little. It's this is one where again we say like oh they just please together. This one also kind of feels like a first go. Attempt because this is our introduction to Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam in these, so uh, uh huh, it's a pretty big deal, big yeah, deal. <laughs> definitely. Um, I've talked about this before, but I, I, I go back and forth on Fred Tedeschiore Sam. Uh, here it's a bit too Bill Goldberg and not enough Yosemite Sam. There are some reads where he's just too gravelly and not like not like full octave Sam. He gets better at it in in other ones we cover today, but I, I had some issues with it today. Uh, I don't have a lot of issues with with Eric Bowser's Bugs Bunny. I I thought it was good here. No, um, the thing the thing about Bowser's Bugs honestly is that like like the shorts themselves, I feel even the voice kind of is reminiscent of like a. Like a mid to late forties type of uh, Bugs voice, yeah. Because it's definitely been a, a lower range than the one from the fifties, where it was you know a little more polished and a little more yeah. up in pitch. But it's still right. Bugs. So. Oh, definitely. No, no, no. Eric Bowser gets Bugs pretty well. Um, and so yeah, the first. A bit of this is just set up, you know, you know, Sam is the best arm wrestler in all the West. Something doesn't fit here. Um, you know, he's, he's done, he's beaten everybody, and then the one guy crushes his hand, and there, there's a little funeral for the guy's arm, completely with a coffin. That, that's pretty funny. Um, and then Bugs stro strolls in and ends up sort of, you know, being the next challenger for Sam. And I love the little fourth wall gag that Bugs says, uh, all right, I'll participate. This picture's only a few minutes long anyways. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, okay, so the rest of these are just, you know, very easy. Well, not, not, not all of them are very easy, but we, we get a lot of just, you know, very simple. Okay, they have to arm wrestle 
and Bugs has to win every time. So Bugs' first bit is sort of, you know, it, it involves getting piranhas. No, 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 because he, he, he makes Sam put his hand in water and then there's a bunch of piranhas in there that end up like snapping away at his hand. And then, like, I, I, I love the very SpongeBob-esque, very detailed shot of Sir Sam's, like, several bites taken out hand. Yeah. Speaking of SpongeBob, I mean, a lot of these gags are pretty simple, but I, but the whole Sam, like, you know, like, yelling at bugs when he, when he um, flips the hand too early, gag, you know, till I say, go, you know, always cutting him off. It feels very old-fashioned. Honestly, reminds me of, Sp of Spongebob, you know, the gag with the snowballs. Put you two, please, stop throwing snowballs. But no, no, just the timing of that is really good. Um, yeah, no, there, there's some pretty all right gags here. And, and then you get to the, the muscle transfer gag, which is just so damn strange where like yeah. bugs sort of pumps muscle into himself and then sort of transfers it to Sam. And he just has like an extra pocket of air everywhere. And he, which he, he, he squeezes it into his nose and then he thinks he's gotten rid of it. And bugs like, um, look, look down doc. And there's just a, a shot of Yosemite. Sam's very big ass. Yes. <laughs> what a payoff. Got a, got a great ass. <laughs> and you got your head all the way up it. I did not think I'd have to do a Pacino in this one as well. I'm sorry. It was right there. I just did, I just did a right podcast there. for Veracon where I had to do a lot of Pacino and my voice is still healing. Oh my God. Um, oh, oh well. Um, uh, so in order for Sam to get rid of me, he kind of says, oh, excuse me, folks. Uh, he like, Pops his ass or something. So yeah. there's he, so he does something. There's a fart joke, which yeah, that that I didn't love, but I just love the whole ass thing. Do not take that out of context. And then we just you know and 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 Sam's like, all right, now we have to try this for real. You know, you know, when I say go, do it, and you know, they think, okay, this is what it's been leading to. And I love how we we sort of. Like zoom in on the sort of intense Sam, and Bugs manages to get it's his way out there. of there. <laughs> he he does a very early Bugs sort of oh what you doing over there Doc kind of thing, and Sam completely buys it, and then just every single reveal for the rest of that gag is brilliant. Like oh my god, he's, he's arm wrestling a stick of dynamite. Bugs has disappeared and now is all dynamite. The entire <laughs> room is filled of dynamite. I love that. It just keeps That's... escalating. I love it so much. That's great. That's great. It is. Um, and the ending's pretty cute, where where Bugs sort of goes to the camera. You know, confidentially, this ain't my first rodeo. And we, so he rolls up a little thing, and he won a championship for arm wrestling in 1964. Oh, uh, so that's, that's where Bugs went when the studio shut down. Yeah, he went and did some arm wrestling. <laughs> did arm wrestling. <laughs> you know, fun fact, he was in the original choice to star in Over the Top, which is a Sylvester Stallone movie about arm wrestling. For those of you who don't know it. Oh, God. All right. It did take a bit to get to the really good gags, and I do have some qualms with the concept, but pretty much the entire second half of this cartoon was really, really good. 
just just great back and forth, great wild gag energy, and it it just got a lot done even in that small period. Yeah. Um, for me, I don't think this was the best showcase of what this series has to offer in regards to bugs, but it no. was it was good enough. Um, I do think that it being one location because there's some there is some exterior shots. But most of it is kind of in that one shot of them at the table. Yeah. So it, it felt it was a little bland. I feel the background was a little bit too bland. Mm -hmm. I think there was a little bit of you know, oh, hey, it's throwing today's gags. You know, uh, Bugs walks in and says, uh, "Did they have a boxed carrot water?" Which is such a today's sort of thing. But again, not the worst in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I yeah, I I I do know these get better. But I think yeah. as a first, here's our first like real bug show demonstration. I feel they could have chosen a better short. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm still giving them the three and a half though because I liked the last bit, but I do think that it All needed right. to be there the entire time. All right. Um, I, I, I'm giving this a, a three out of five. But okay. Uh, cool. But yeah. All right. And when you say that these would get better, um, they'd get better almost immediately, I think. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, episode two. Uh, the first shorts here on in episode two is Big League Beasts. It was directed by Kenny Pittinger. It was written mm -hmm. by Andrew Dickman, uh, the director, Kenny Pittinger, Johnny Ryan, and Jacob Fleischer. So what's interesting about this one is that this is kind of a sequel to a classic short in that yeah. the aesthetic and what this is is taken from the short Water Water Everywhere, which yeah. <clears throat> is a really good one. So mm -hmm. pretty much what this so the short begins with it's a dark and stormy night. And Bugs Bunny is watching the Springley Field Gravel Bottoms playing a baseball game. He's watching on his TV. It's in Springley Field. Ha. <laughs> and uh, first, of, uh, first off, uh, Tom Kenny plays the uh, TV announcer, so that's great. Yeah. I, I immediately recognized him. I'm like, okay, that is Tom Kenny. Welcome to the show. <laughs> and, and yeah, so... Uh, the the power goes out and Bugs just says all oh, these damn rabbit ears because he he's literally watching it through rabbit ear antenna, which yeah. a retro character using a retro technology to watch a baseball game makes sense. So Bugs just looks over at this castle and he says, "Oh, because it has a big antenna coming out of it." So, oh, well, that's a big antenna. He'll probably have a good service there, and. The castle is the mad scientist castle from Water, Water, and Every Here. Um, Although it doesn't have the, the, the boo neon sign as well. It just has the evil scientist one. <laughs> yeah. So Bugs just you know, knocks on the door. It's the professor, um, the mad scientist, who is also, um, who I believe is also voiced by Tom Kenny. In the few lines oh, yeah, he have. is. Yeah. So Bugs just walks in on now. It's like, hey, how you doing? I'm here to watch the games. Okay, I'll watch your place. Awesome. We've got the power now my place. Okay, bye. And then just <laughs> goes to one of the um, big, like, 
Tesla-powered, like, science technology to put on the baseball game. And the scientist just like, okay, well, you're not supposed to be here. And just goes up this long staircase. Probably the backgrounds, and this one specifically, are really good. Yeah. I I really dug the backgrounds in this. Shows they have a budget. Um, Mm -hmm. So the other professor, the scientist, whatever, flicks the switch, Gosper comes alive, and just says, You know what to do. (laughs) You know what to do. Great reads on that from Tom Canning. Yes, he's. I think he's he's trying to he's he's trying to be more a little bit um, like exaggeratedly Boris Karloff than um, than Mel did, but he still does really well here. Yeah. So Bugs is just you know he he somehow sits on Gossamer. Gossamer tends to be the the, the chair, what have you. <laughs> Bugs sits on. He's watching the game and he's trying to open like like a, a bottle of soda or whatever. So Gossamer. Just I thought it was a beer. Or the kids, let's just say it's soda. <laughs> Fine, it's soda, but it's in a beer bottle. <clears throat> yes. So he's trying to open it. Gosford just picks it up, opens it, brings it back on the bug, busts the stein stock. And then he and he looks up and and again, like like uh, SpongeBob, it's just a mad image of Gosford with like animated eyes. <laughs> and Bugs does Oh, a bit of a reaction, like he does. And um, again, credit to them for thinking, hey, let's do the reaction thing again, because Bugs did it in the other ones. He should probably do it here. And um, yeah, it's good. So he thinks that, you know, because of the situation, he's going to miss the seventh inning stretch, to which <laughs> um, Gossamer grabs Bugs, who burrows around Gossamer and we just see his ears. Which I love this gag. I love that. I, I've never seen that before, which yeah. is incredible. And and eventually it gets to a point where Bucks just gets a gets a, a shaver. Oh, pardon. Was it here or a little bit later where we get the second uh, butt shot of the evening? It was around here, yeah, because he starts here. He starts. Um, he starts. You know, he starts trying to shave himself to get bugs. And we just get a really nice shot of Gossamer's ass. Uh, yep. So Gossamer is shaving Jesus himself. Christ. He's shaving himself down to nothing. And I, I, I gotta admit, that did give me uh, Duck Dodgers, the return of the 24th and a half century vibes. But A little this bit. Is, this was funnier. That's what's incredible. This was done better. Because Bugs just sweeps up Gossamer, goes to the toilet, and just flushes Gossamer down the drain. Yeah. That is so much better. And I love sort of the very depleted Gossamer head peeking out of the toilet bowl. <laughs> yes. Also, Eric Bowser's just nailing this. Because Bugs is like saying to himself when he's doing this, and it's just yeah. pitch perfect. Like, Bugs is like, yes, yeah. that's what he would do. That's what it would sound like. Exactly. Yes, and, and then we get, um, you no, know, thinks he's going to have Bugs, and then Bugs does what he did in the previous two, and he just distracts Gossamer by either comp- complimenting him or changing something about him. And In the uh, first yeah. short, it was the, it was nails. The second short, it was hair. And this short, it's... Here's shoes. It's shoes. 
which it fits, it works. And I just love Bugs just pulls a variety of shoes out of nowhere. <laughs> he just he has them at all. You know, after after doing uh, Space Jam, he has all Air Jordans on him all the time. <laughs> yeah. So Bugs just has him, like sit down, gets off footwear. He removes his customer's shoe, and the customer's foot is nasty. So Bugs just puts on a gas yeah. mask. <laughs> and he starts, you know, playing around with customer's toes. And eventually he just slams his foot with a mallet. Like, like you do. <laughs> and Bugs just you know, calms him down and says, listen, here, put on these high heels. And, <laughs> and then we just cut to Bugs saying, you go ahead and stretch your stuff. And then we just go to a montage of Gossamer and like modeling poses, including Monroe. I love that. I, I loved how just seamlessly he, he went into that. <laughs> Which, that's such like a kind of like a current cartoon writing motif that really works here. And, you know, so Gossamer, he he wins um, Miss Gruesome verse 76. <laughs> I love that. 76, was that a carry reference? Maybe. Hmm. Perhaps? I don't know. And, you know, Bugs gives Gossamer roses, and then they just bend down, and it's dynamite, and it explodes. Which that's is great. That's great. The little shot of, like, blackened Gossamer is great. <laughs> Gossamer is one of those characters that, like, any shot of him after, like, something has happened or any... Like after an explosion or after something, he just looks even funnier. <laughs> yeah, so Bugs just flees to another room, finds a small TV. Then um, Gosser runs down the hall, just hurling weapons the at Bugs. Shot of him coming from all the way down the hall and just sneaking. <laughs> it's great. And of course, Bugs dodges them all. He opens a trap door. Uh, Gossner avoids the trapdoor, turns around, goes the other way, does another trapdoor. Gossamer stops, turns around, and then no, he stops. Then a, a, a tactical monster just comes and grabs Gossamer <laughs> out of nowhere. So bizarre. Sure. And then you know, Gossamer gets so you know, beaten up off screen or what have you. And Bug is like, oh well, and then just tunes back into the game. And then uh, uh, Gossamer gets out of the situation, grabs the small TV, and apparently the game is really getting good. Like, the score is tied to the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> and Gosper crushes the mini TV, and it just so happens that it looks like a baseball. So, Bugs just has Gossamer think they're doing a baseball game. <laughs> That's great. It's, man, man, Bugs Bunny in baseball, it always works. E e even decades later, it just yeah. it still works because Gosper Bugs is just it's like, okay, I go that way. Hit the ball. Hit it. On the mound, the count is O and O. He's getting the signal from the catcher. He's asking for Gossamer's famous twister ball. There's the wind up and the pitch. Oh! A swing and a miss! Here I go on! Gossamer's next up to bat. 
is, is doing what he did in baseball bugs, where he's he's the catcher, then he's the pitcher, and he throws it to himself, and then he goes back, and he's being the narrator. It's it's very on it's, point. It's very entertaining. Very the fact that he gets these people to buy it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, because the scientist thing comes in. It's like, okay, Doc, <laughs> get a good scientist. There you are, Doc. We need you in the game. And just and, and and Bugs like, okay, the gossamer's hands are sweaty. The, the scientist, he has to hit the ball to get the home run. Gossamer throws the ball. <laughs> and the professor hits it. And, and it's and it's like go go run run and then they're running and Bugs just has a barrel of grease and he just greases the floor <laughs> as they slide by him and there's this shot of just Bugs with the grease um with a paintbrush in his hand just looking over at them it's that's just a great Bugs Bunny image like that's him that's absolutely him. That 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 works. Yeah. And so good. They just crash into um, a control panel that had a screen in it. So there's a screen inside Gosser's mouth, and Bugs just adjusts the antenna, and he sees that his team has won. And we just end the Bugs saying, "Well, I." I missed the game, but that was one monster of a final play. And we are uh, out. Yeah. Uh. So, well, that was a fast improvement. Um, oh, yeah, I love that one. Yeah. Again, just, oh, no, the, the thing that I find especially fascinating is that the idea of what we did in New Gossamer's cartoon. Because this is like technically, is it? It's like the first Gossamer short since one we're ever here. Because, because uh, Gossamer... no, it's not. No, it's not. Because we did because there was a Flash cartoon, and also you know the Duck Dodgers and the Return of the Twenty Fifth Century. Thank you for just reminding me that the Flash cartoons exist. I, I was doing so well for myself. Just. <laughs> Well, eventually we're going to have to cover a couple of them. Oh, boy. Yeah. But I did like how they thought, let's do a short in the style kind of a water every hair and it not being a yeah. rehash. The only no. things kept are the scientists and the castle backgrounds. Everything else from this short was original. I, I do think in regards to pacing, I, I think... I honestly could have gone for one or two more gags. Honestly, I, I thought I was having a pretty good time. Uh, I didn't feel it was going too fast or what have you. And I, I liked. I, I especially, I really did like Eric Bell's performance in this because, but both the writing yeah. and the animation, it felt like bugs. And, and I think that's yeah. something. As we go into these and look more at them, I think that's something to really keep in mind. Is do they have the characters right? Because you can say you're doing a new anything, new nostalgic anything property, but if it doesn't feel right, who cares? This cartoon the really where they get it right. Yes, they got it right. So yeah, I I overall really enjoyed this one. Oh, same. Yeah, I again. Um, 
excellent gag work all around. So many really good laugh out loud moments. Uh, very true to these characters who I loved in, in what, what, whatever hair. Um, they really got what makes this character funny. And Bugs just had some really good moments. And yes, Eric Bowser as Bugs here is wonderful. Um, yeah, little to no notes. Yeah. So I'm giving this a four out of five anvils. I'm giving it a four and a half. I loved it. All right. So after this, we got a little uh, mini Elmer gag here. It was uh, directed Liter by... Literally. <laughs> literally a little Elmer thing here. It was uh, directed by uh, David Jamil, written by him, as well as Caroline Director and Johnny Ryan. It's just a, a short thing where it's you know, with bugs. It's Elmer chasing bugs, and they go through um, a, a log, and I believe Elmer's small, so it, it's, it's fun. It's cute. Yeah, it's fine. I, I give it like a 3 out of 5. It's fine. I gave it a 3.5 because I like the idea work. But yeah, it's fine. Alright, so the second short, full short, I would attach this was Firehouse Frenzy. Was directed by Kenny Pinninger. As well as written by, by Andrew Dickman, Alex Kawan, Johnny Ryan, Jacob Fleischer, as well as the director. So, in this one, Daffy and Porky are firefighters. Yes. Roll with us in this one. And um, it's, and also, of the fire department is the Looneyville Fire Department. Yes. Very old-fashioned. So Daffy Duck, you know, he's sound asleep, and of course the, the alarm goes off. There's a fire to be had, and they have to go get it. And we get this uh, prologue sequence of Daffy slamming his own alarm clock, it's still ringing. Daffy putting the alarm clock in a drawer. Of course, it's still ringing. Daffy getting an axe and just cutting up the uh, the drawer it's in. Still ringing. And eventually, Porky runs in saying, Daffy, there's a fire. We need to go now. <laughs> and, of course, Daffy's like, oh, I can't call minutes. And Porky just... I love the brief look of an idea. To, uh, of an idea, it, it's a very like, it's just like for like one second he yeah. became a model, the, like the model sheet image of himself, like for like a second there. So Porky just pulls a, a lever that's by his bedside, and and Davy just gets flung out of the bed. Porky's running over to the fire pole. Daffy wrapped himself around. <laughs> It's the Wallace and Gromit technique. Exactly. Dad just wraps himself around the pole. It just says, okay, okay, I'm up, I'm up. And then we get this, this sequence where Daffy and Porky, yeah. they, they go down the pole and crazy stuff happens. <laughs> you know, um, no, it's just a lot of really funny pole, pole gags up here. Yes. So the first gag is... Um, they wind up on, on a carousel. So all of a sudden, they're just on this imaginary carousel. Yeah. That stops. They keep it's going great. down. Um, they go down different... They eventually get split up and go into like different poles. One that's like yellow, the other one that's like red. It's zigzag or not. Which gave me like baby bottleneck vibes, honestly. Like how how, how it's colored. A little so like, bit. That was yeah. very nice. Also, it's yeah. animated wonderfully. The full animation of them going down the poles. Yes. 
So eventually they go so far that um, they wind up in hell. <laughs> this this succession of gags was great because it's hell and then the North Pole. And neither are amused. Satan and Santa Claus are not amused that they're there. No. It's great. I love I love how creative it got there. And I love how so Santa slams them down the pole. And I just love as they go down, just have a sign that says the real last floor. That feels very clamped. That feels like a wacky oh land God, yes. sort of idea. Yes. So then eventually they get off the pole and have to go into their uniforms. And there's only like one uniform or something. So we have this montage of them trying to get into the uniform. There's they're doing it wrong and they're in the same uniform. And then there's a moment where they're in the same uniform and Daffy looks down and just cries out. <laughs> I'm not a fireman. I'm a monster. <laughs> Which is just great. It is. I don't know if this captures the Looney Tunes essence, but it sure is funny. <laughs> it feels more like Arrested Development, that's for sure. I put it towards kind of like... I know you're not supposed to say this cartoon anymore, but it kind of felt a little like Ren Stimpy-esque in some it did. places. In some places. It did. So, eventually, they figure out the uniform, but just splitting it in two. It's like, okay, and that close works. enough. Close enough. So, they walk over to the, to the fire truck. Porky's in the fire truck, and Daffy's doing the checklist cake. Got the uniform, got the tools. Dalmatian. Dalmatian? They don't have a Dalmatian. This bit, this bit was wild. Oh my god! It was just, so Daffy's looking over. He sees a man and his Dalmatian walking his Dalmatian. He says, "Aha!" And he runs over. Says, "It just he he grabs something. He throws. He gets the man. Puts a man color on him." And paints him Dalmatian colors and gives him a treat. Daffy, buddy, what are you into? And and also the reading of Daffy saying "Good boy." That was a very Stimpy sort of reading. Yes, that is a Ren and Stimpy gag. That one. And so eventually they start to go and they go backwards. And I got him. And my first reaction was. Whoops, had that silly thing in reverse. Silly thing in reverse. <laughs> but no, it's, oh, I have to get my coffee. I can't believe that my coffee. It's like, ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Easy. So they drive off, and and Daffy has a point of directions on his phone. It's like, all right, go right. Then go right. Then go left. Then go left. And it turns out that the fire was at the fire station. <laughs> and it just burns to the ground. And and Porky and Daffy just shrug it off, shrug it off, go back to bed. The alarm clocks ring, and they both just destroyed. And that's where we iris out. It's great. That's awesome. So what I like about the short is that it's just a very, very simple idea of Porky and Daffy are firemen, which is funny because there is a short called Porky the Fireman. From back in the day. Yeah, but I think this one was funnier than it. It was faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. 
Yeah, just the speed and the animation and the gags just coming a mile a minute. It was just really good stuff. I I, I was entertained by it. Um, While I can't say it's like, oh, this really feels like a Looney Tunes cartoon, it's a a case of it was so funny, I I didn't mind. Yeah, same. No, I, I, I love this one. Part of me wishes we'd actually gotten to see them fight the fire and fail at that. But, I mean, all the gags in the lead-up were great and quick and bizarre. I feel like it's burying the meat of the piece for time, though. I mean, like, wouldn't it be funny to see these guys completely struggle with fighting a fire? Like, you know, there are jokes to be had there. But I understand why they did what they did. All right, so I'm giving this a uh, 3.5 out of 5 animals. I'm giving it a 4. I liked it. Moving now to episode 5. The first uh, cartoon that is in this one is Pest Coaster which was one of, featured prominently in promotional material for the series. It was uploaded in full to YouTube a few weeks before the premiere. And people knew about this one before the initial premiere of HBO Max. So this was a lot of people's first impressions of the show, the, at least a lot of regular casual fans. And there are some interesting things in here. Pest Coaster was directed by Ryan Kramer, who wrote it with Johnny Ryan and Pete Browngart. So this one, of course, takes place in an amusement park. Bugs comes in on his usual wrong turn mishap. It was expecting to go to the Democratic Republic of Congo? Really? And he, his gag here is maybe I should have taken a left to, at uh, Luxembourg. Uh, okay, sure. And so he, um, he he figured out where he is in this um, amusement park, in which he reads is the third or fourth happiest place on earth, give or take, which is a good Disney slam. I like that. And he decides to get all these sort of snacks and things and ride this gigantic, the moiterizer, as he says, in a very yeah. good Ark Bowser Bugs Bunny read. And and the thing that a, a lot of Williams fans just adored is there's a very type of Mel Blanc yell that he did in Beautiful Ninja Cartoons. Mm-hmm. And it's something that a lot of the other voice actors couldn't really replicate. So when Eric Bowser, you know, he's as Bugs, you're like, oh, look at that. There's Games, no prizes, food high and saturated fat. This place isn't kidding around. I am amused. And the way he does it, it's very yeah. like Mel Blank reminiscent. So a lot of people were happy to, to see that, yes. okay, this guy can actually do it. Like, he got skills. Yes. Yeah. No, he's legit. Um... I mean, the conflict of this one becomes apparent because um, Sam is working at this roller coaster and he doesn't allow animals on this big coaster. And so, of course, we know what's going to happen. Uh, and, of course, I love how Bugs just sort of tries waltzing right in as, as Sam is just in mid-monologue. And so Sam has literally has to double take and, and, and drag him off of it. And he points him towards a sign that, that, that starts with no animals there's some other good details there. Let's see. Um, no liberals is on there. So um, if Sam made the sign, uh, then Sam put that on there. So then we could sort of assume that Sam voted for Trump. And maybe so far as that he was at the Capitol riots. Ah, uh, Now here's what's so fun about that little thing is that... So the HBO Max cartoons, like... Everything. I, I can't believe we started a podcast right at the moment where 
the where media was like, okay, there are some things about Looney Tunes that we have to make a controversy, and it's never fucking worth it, cause yeah, yeah cause, cause because yeah. this short came out two weeks early, a lot of people saw it and they saw that joke and went, wait a minute, <laughs> hold on, you can't say that <laughs> and. You can't infer that a guy who um, has guns and shoots rabbits is a Republican. Yeah, it, like it was a controversy. It was a controversy for like a day, but still, it's like, my God, just just shut up and watch the cartoon. <laughs> it's just a joke, and there's a lot of like, there's a lot of throwaway gags in this sign. Like, no cartoonists, which, <laughs> you could tell they were having fun making it. And also, I'll say that I like Fred Sam a little better in this one, especially him when he's being fooled, oh like bugs God. and drag, where he's very clearly smitten by, uh, which, by this. I love that bugs and drag still works. I love that. I love that it's, it's, it always works. Oh, it always works. It's great. And I've been saying this a lot, but a lot of these gags are kind of simple. Because, again, the whole thing is that, you know, it's Bugs getting on the roller coaster and Sam doing anything to keep him from, from getting off the roller coaster. But it doesn't work. And it's just, it's, it's not like there's, like, insane consequences. It's just Bugs is on a roller coaster. Sam doesn't want him on a roller coaster. Bugs keeps riding the roller coaster. Okay. <laughs> like, like it's not life or death. It's just like, okay, he loses. He gets to ride a roller coaster. Big whoop. It's not like the, the Sam's life is in duty. Just a, 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 a something Sam made up. I do like the gag where Sam sort of chases, goes up with bugs on with this chainsaw, and just the it fails miserably because it just sort of like something on on like the track of it um, ends up going oh, wrong. Oh, oh yeah, so bugs pulls the safe restraint up. It hits it hits Sam, and yeah. by doing that, his hands kind of go behind himself, so he cuts. The uh, the jet the the uh, the jetpack in two because apparently someone had that in Lost and Found someone went to a amusement oh, yeah. park with their jetpack and chainsaw oh yeah which is funny <laughs> of course and left it in lo and and left it behind I love though the sort of cut to a hole in the ground and Sam very going oh I hate that rabbits <laughs> followed by the chainsaw landing in the hole yeah it felt classic. And then this ending dynamite gag is wild because, okay, we get this expectation where Sam is sort of, you know, rigging the track um, with, you know, with dynamite that's going to go off when, when, when Bugs passes it. But then Bugs reveals he's, he's carrying a baby and Sam doesn't want to endanger a child. And he's literally pleading with the audience, no, I, if there's one thing I never want to do, it's, it's, it's to hurt yeah. a child. I would never do that. I, I don't hurt babies. And it ends up with him literally like, like <laughs> going to a woman in a carriage going, hey, can I, can I kiss this baby? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. Whatever. And he opens the carriage. No, no, because I missed a bit because he literally takes the dynamite and flushes it down the toilet. <laughs> and then he says, hey, woman, can I see your baby? And also, if I may point out, the woman, it's a very nicely designed, like, classic Looney Tune era woman. Which I like. It's a good design yeah. there. And, yeah, yeah, he opens a thing, and... <laughs> but, yeah, 
And it's just the dynamite is there. And the toilet. It's the most random thing. <laughs> and the toilet. That's the most random thing. Jesus. And then, and then there's the reveal that Bugs was behind it and that the the the, the baby was like a, a pull string doll. It's the most wild, bizarre, random sort of gag rationality. And I think I kind of dug it. Yeah. And uh, I just love like little things where Sam is trying to take out the light and he thinks he did it by just winning it. And then lights back up again. That's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's awesome. There... there this one I think got a lot right in terms of gag execution, and and just you know, this was a better Bugs and Sam cartoon. I I do think that you know there wasn't enough stake until the very end with the dynamite because you know other, otherwise Bugs is just on the roller coaster. But I think that the the towards the second half you know the gags got really good. It became very classic feeling. The ending baby gag was demented and diabolical and wonderful. And it was a much better Sam cartoon than yeah, the first episode. I do agree. It's a much better Bugs Bunny cartoon. It it didn't feel pandering to anything. Yeah, I, I had a no. I had a journal good time with this one. Yeah, definitely. I gave it a four out of five. I gave it a, a three point five out of five. Okay. All right. Now we move to a Sylvester and Tweety cartoon to annoy Mark. Uh, it's called Rhino. You don't. Rhino. Yet. Uh, Ryan Kramer direct. <laughs> I know you don't. It's a it's a it's a good title. Uh, Ryan Kramer directed it, wrote it with Johnny Ryan and Pete Browngart. Some of these just have like the same director credits. They 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 loop in. They they group them together. The concept of this, which is that animals have symbiotic relationships and protect smaller animals, is really intelligent and smart. Like that's a good concept to teach kids. Like, you know, that's how the animal kingdom works. You can get that off of David Attenborough. And so we have this rhinoceros that, you know, that is kept in line and sort of helped out by Tweety, who, like, you know, will clean his horn and will, like, you know, just keep him sort of, like, you know, knead his fur and such. And, like, they balance each other out. And that's actually really, you know, scientific and cool. Also, Eric's Tweety is a little close to his bugs, but still pretty good. Especially in the manic male energy. I will say what I did like was they brought back Tweety's kind of, kind of violent nature from the early Tweety shorts in this. Because like, the first yes. thing Tweety does is he um he like has a slingshot, like slings off a bird, I believe, or, or some something that that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Like, Rest in peace. Just like, gee, okay, we're back to chaotic <laughs> Tweety. Awesome. Yeah, and I like that. Because, again, Chaotic Tweety was the 40s, and that's what we're going for here. So, Jeff Bergman's Sylvester is also really good. Because um, he's sort of, you know, going around the zoo and making fun of a lot of the animals. And, like, he literally, he, he goes into the monkey cages and goes, Get a load of these uncivilized beasts. And all the monkeys are reading literature, like, War and Peace. Sylvester just can't leave the cage animals alone. Like, how is this a recurring no, trait? he can't, because he's, he's ridiculing the gorillas. Uh, and, and he says, like, hey, ugly fetch. <laughs> so he's just, he's just because he's on one side of the bars and he's just torturing the animals. Now, of course, we all know how this is going to end, but it's still, you know, it's still classic Sylvester hubris. 
So, of course, you know, he, he goes into the rhino's cage in order to take out Tweety Bird. But, of course, the rhino, whose horn comes up like a sword sound effect, um, must protect Tweety at all costs. And so that's really the hook of this cartoon. And it's funny because, like, you know, the, the, the plot, of, the thought of this rhino charging repeated, repeatedly after Sylvester for things is funny enough. And so we get to do all these different ways about it and all these really cool creative animal yeah. plots. Like, we have Sylvester operating a giraffe, that like a great. crane, which great. I really liked. Like, using his tongue, like, is sort of like a, like, tying it to him to just go down and ending up getting it around his neck. Turning purple? <laughs> Jesus. And the payoff of this, of... Is, is this where... Um, is this where the um, the rhino punches him straight into an elephant's ass? Yes. Yeah. Well, and I love that he, he punches him straight into an elephant's ass, and then we black out. We don't see him getting out of the elephant's ass. We just are stew with that for a little bit. If you want an artist's depiction of that, watch Ace Ventura. When nature. <laughs> yes, watch watch when nature calls. Um, and then this is a a cool, an, an easy setup to a gag with great payoffs, um, where Sylvester disguises as a zoo employee, and then I, I as, love this. as he's about to get Tweety, his boss is like, "No, you shouldn't be here. You should be in the giant scorpion cage." <laughs> Damn. And then he's thrown into the <laughs> python cage, the electric jellyfish yeah. enclosure. Just gleef all these animals gleefully. And I, I just love, I love that. before he throws them to the jellyfish, Sylvester saying, No, wait. <laughs> no. Wait. <laughs> no, wait. I love that. And the last gag is really again, like almost Wiley Coyote esque, but really clever. Where Sylvester gets an Acme hologram. So if he dies, A, he can play Coachella, or B, he can give his son in law a good birthday <laughs> present idea. Oh, man. Um, and this is a very creative gag because, yes, the gag initially works where, you know, Sylvester distracts the rhino by having it plunge into a rock thinking he's over there. But then Sylvester sees all of these animals running towards him and plunges into several rocks, getting away from he, them. Even in the he swims away and still rams into a rock. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It was just again Cartoon Network logic, but it just it, it's just funny enough. That it's like oh, a rock in the middle of the water. He didn't see. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and there's this ending gag with a seal that's randomly violent and just sort of beats him with a bat. That's a, that's just a great thing yeah, to go out of. Yeah, because it, it turns out the animals that were chasing him were also holograms. Because that, that's the Sylvester had. Yeah, that's that's the hologram. That Tweety does that. And you know, yeah. at least you know, Twist Tweety says about the wonders of technology, and then Sylvester looks at the baby seal yeah. and goes, "Oh, it's just a dumb baby seal that immediately beats, beats the shit out of Sylvester." Oh, yeah, it's great. Um. This was another really, really good one. Um, I love this hook of symbiotic animal relationships, and I like this as a Sylvester Pains showcase. I mean, yes, Tweety is still very annoying in this, but at least he has some fun stuff to do, and he can be violent and hyper in his old self. So I, I really like this one. Yeah, this worked really, really well. Um, I like how... Yeah. I felt that the, that the premise 
Because I feel like back in the 40s or 50s, I don't know if they knew that animals did this. No. No, it's very much a new premise. It's something that you can only get from this generation. Uh, Sylvester is perfectly in character. We literally just covered a short where he was like this in Tweety Circus. So, off the bat, it's yeah. in character. Um, the voice acting was good. Gag work was phenomenal. I just really enjoyed this one. Oh my god, yeah, it, it's so it's good. excellent. Um, I give it a 4.5 out of 5. I'm also giving it a 4.5 out of 5. This was Wonderful. a really damn good one. And now we go to episode 7, which had the short Siberian Sam, mm-hmm. which was directed by Ryan Kramer, also written by uh, Ryan, as well as Andy Gonsalves. Johnny Ryan, mm-hmm. and Jake Fleischer. Also, I do have a fun little tidbit here, is that uh, this short, as well as, uh, I believe all ten of, of the episodes that, that we've uh, looked at are on the uh, Bugs Bunny 80th anniversary Blu-ray set on the uh, third disc. Oh, wow. Yeah, to put that as a nice bonus feature, because it makes sense. So it's Bugs' 80th, here's the most recent Bugs Bunny thing so uh it's great that was nice so these are on physical media if you really Good. don't like it, don't like streaming they are on digital media so in siberian sam yosemite sam is russian go with it ah yes yosemite sam is russian while still speaking like yosemite sam that's just <laughs> perfect that's exactly how it goes so, yeah. Sam is in Siberia, as evident by the uh, title, and he's riding on a sled pulled by a husky named Melania. Uh-huh. The name of Sam's dog is Melania. Man, he really is a Republican. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, you know, he's telling the audience he's Siberian Sam, and he he's a survivor. He survives mm-hmm. because he has a... Papaka, which keeps his head warm. It's, you know, if, if you don't got this, you're going to die in this cold wilderness. And Remedy says that a hawk comes and takes it away. Now, yeah. I don't know why in my head I thought this was going to be it. But I, I, I think it would have been funny if it was like um, Beaky Buzzard who got the hat. Yep. It would have been something. But we, 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 we did want to do another a yup character in this. Version. Yeah, true, true. So a hawk swipes it away, and Sam is in, he's like, oh no, I need something warm. And he looks at the dog, and the Melania, <laughs> the dog, just barks at him furiously, like, oh, yeah. sorry. Like, how dog. dare you? You're not coming over me. And then he hears Bugs Bunny who is roasting a carrot on open fire. And he's like, and he's like, go to Siberia, they said. Get away from the city, they said. It's cheap this time of year. That's ah. great. <laughs> uh, just the one instance where Bugs is like, I hate being here. Why did I decide to come? <laughs> <laughs> and so Sam decides, I'm going to make uh, I, I had out of him, and then we get a visual of <laughs> the 
this is such a fucked up image, but I kind of you, love you, it. So you put that on Twitter, and I'm like, oh my god. I did because it's just it's Yosemite Sam smiling, and there's just a dead Bugs Bunny on top of his head. <laughs> and I tweeted. But I thought he hates them rabbits. And I tweeted, ladies, you go on Tinder, you find this guy's profile picture. What do you do? Do you go left or right? <laughs> <laughs> and he ain't no Mahatma Gandhi either. <laughs> nope. So he just says, "Okay, Rabbit, I'm gonna make you my hat." And Buckson thinks, "Okay." So he just ties Sam up as a hat on his own head and says, "Well, I know it's a little tacky, but uh, I think it works." <laughs> it's, it's like, no. <laughs> I'm gonna make make I want you to make I'm gonna make have you be ah ah one more time I'm <laughs> going to have you be a hat and of course Bugs like oh you want a hat okay and he, he leaves the scene comes back he's dressed up as like a completely different character says yeah. okay Maggie you want a hat I got a bunch of hats here. I got, and he's just going through a bunch of hats, goes through like a bonnet, a football helmet. Thankfully, it's not Bugs' bonnets, just with Sam. It's not. Um, a, a propeller beanie. <laughs> As just, just, yeah, it makes you youthful, makes you old, um, flirtatious, and it's a funeral veil <laughs> on Sam. <laughs> Jason. Um, and something fruity, and it's like the Carmen uh, hat thing. Oh, yeah, the C Carmen Miranda fruit Miranda hat. Yeah. Fruit hat. Uh, and there's like a, a, a cheese hat, a beer hat, which... Bugs has some fun. Yeah, Bugs has fun with this. And Sanchez says, listen, I only wear furry hats. I need a furry hat. So Bugs just ties up Sam's mustache to resemble a hat. <laughs> says, no, no, I don't want this hat. It's like... Okay, okay, I got the perfect hat for you. And he goes goes off screen, comes back, puts a dunce cap on on Sam. It's great. Just says, this hat is going to keep me warm. So he lights it on fire? Not so long, just sets it on fire. And Buck says, how about now? That got a nice, good laugh out of me. That's just... Oh, ah, Sam. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Put the salmon bugs rapport in this. Oh my god! And, yeah, and then Bucks is mocks is saying, "Oh, it's the hottest hat of the season." And uh, and then <laughs> he immediately gets uh, snagged by Sam, and he, and he avoids the the cliff thing, the sword he has essentially. He hits the tree, to which two icicles pin Sam's mustache to the ground. <laughs> He angers Sam. He runs towards Bugs. I just love the pure Bugs energy of just, it's Sam. He's reaching out to get Bugs. He's, and Bugs is just a couple feet away, chopping on a carrot, looking over at him. <laughs> <laughs> it just... <laughs> and he just flicks so his good. finger. Sam goes right to the tree. That's Bugs. <laughs> You nailed it. You yeah. absolutely nailed so it. So good. So good. 
Uh, also, Sam is so mad that he screams and the icicle just comes right at him. They would transition over to Sam has a uh, Russian a Russian nesting doll. Oh, this was a very clever one. And he, he the smallest one, he lights a stick of dynamite, puts it in there, puts it all back. And Sam just goes over to Bugs, who's playing a video game. Maybe he's playing Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle. I don't know. Because <laughs> it, it, it is like, like a Game Boy kind of model, so perhaps. And I, I love Sam saying, now, I have been the best ambassador of my country, says Yosemite Sam, speaking like he does. It's just, uh. So he says, okay, listen, here's a gift. And Bugs goes, wow, it's a nesting doll. Thanks, thanks, Doc. So Sam runs off. Bugs takes up, he takes apart the nesting doll, sees the littlest one, says, oh, that's so nice. He, put, he doesn't open the last one, just puts it, it all back together. And I just love, well, that was the most fun 10 seconds I had in a long time. It's <laughs> a great line, yeah. And Bugs and, and Sam, of course, is like, no, no, you again. It, it's it's very spot on, Sam Bugs. And I'm like, no, no, no. You're supposed to do this. And he opens the nesting doll, opens the last one, goes, "Where'd you stick a dynamite? Because it's not in there." And yeah. Bugs just says, "Oh, you mean this?" And he just has <laughs> a stick of dynamite. Like, it's dying for pie. It's the ending of dying for pie. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he just like, yes, thank you. And he's just holding it and he goes, oh no. And it just <laughs> blows up. We got a, 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 an out, a, a wide shot. It just blows up. The smoke says eat at Vlad's, which is I great. loved that so much. It was genius. Genius. Eat at Vlad's. <laughs> and Sam is just, oh just completely blown up. And... <laughs> And Sam comes back down to Earth. <laughs> and Bugs is, you know, we transition to Bugs walking around like, ah, oh, man, there's like nothing to do here. I'm so bored. And Sam is just so mad. He just sits, he tries to sick, sick Melania onto him. <laughs> and he takes Bugs Famous to a last cave. <laughs> yes. And Sam just says, okay, listen, I, I'm going to strip your hide. And Bugs just says, "Listen, Doc, grab its skin. It's it's not it's not keep you warm. Look, it pulls his skin up and it's like see through, which is just a, a lovely yeah. touch." And he said, "Listen, what you need is a a Siberian tiger hat." So he just gets a Siberian tiger hat, puts it on top of Sam, and Sam's just blown away by this, like a Siberian tiger hat. Only the witches, most important people in Russia, wear this. And Bugs like, yeah, like they go see those fancy Russian ballets, and Sam's like, yeah, the fancy Russian ballets. Sure. <laughs> totally buy into it. Sure. And, and Sam just buys right into it. He doesn't even get to think about it. And Bugs like, yeah. Bugs just says, it just so happens that I have tickets to a to a Russian ballet, and Sam just. Thanks, Rabbit. And it's just, they walk over, <laughs> and there's already a sign that says ballet this way. And Bugs is dressed up as an usher. How does this work? 
It's such a like over the top <laughs> gag, but it just works. Because Sam of... buys it. Bug buys right into it as the usher. And, and it's Bug speaking in a Russian accent, which also really yes. works. Because Bugs will speak in a Russian accent, even if Sam won't. <laughs> and you know, just sits Sam down, says, "Yeah, yeah, enjoy the show." And Sam is just so happy. It's like, "Wow, we! I'm so happy to be here." <laughs> And then he hears like a roar. He says, "Oh, be quiet, be quiet!" Then he looks over, and it's a Siberian tiger. He's like, "Listen, Mac, I came here to enjoy this ballet. Please stop, quiet down." And as soon as he says all this, the Siberian had revealed itself to be its baby. Oh my god! It's just Sam saying, "Oh boy." <laughs> they were just cut to outside of the cave and there's stars and stuff coming out of the cave and eventually Sam just walks out and he does his own little uh, ballerina motif while a little bit of the nutcracker plays Yes, and Sam Beautiful. just falls to the ground and just a great bottle line of bugs saying Oh, God, give hats off to him. That was a fantastic performance. Or, or, or something like that. Something yeah. based off of that. And and that's where we end it. And, um, oh, my Lord. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So, incredibly endearing. Yeah. Great pacing. Uh, that's how I know specifically is that it took its time, which I feel was something a lot of the other shorts haven't been able to do. I liked Sam in this. The writing was spot on. Everyone, it felt like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Which, you know, that's something we've uh, brought up in in episodes we've talked about already. Surprisingly, that's not something that happens often. Uh, Sometimes a short here has felt like a Cartoon Network product, or a Ren Stimpy Mm -hmm. product, or a SpongeBob product. This... It felt like the Looney Tunes. It felt like the Looney Tunes production. Exactly. No, it, it felt like Sahara hair, but in Siberia, but like really good. Like so many great ideas for this concept, so many great gags, some of the best bugs in Sam energy that we have here. It felt classic. It felt really funny. It was funny all the way through. I, I loved it so much. I'm giving it a five out of five animal rating. That's exactly what I'm giving it. It. So good. So darn good. Yeah. All right, so I'm getting a brief little, um, like, again, like 15, 30 seconds, um, moving whole bit, bit with Elmer. Yeah. In, in which, um, no, they're, in which Elmer's trying to get bugs, bounces into his hole, Elmer goes into a hole, he gets moved around a, a ton to the point where Elmer finds himself in a pond puddle. It's Which, like a fishing gag. Yeah, it, it's fishing gag. So Bugs gets fishing line, wheels him up, and after the end of the gag. It's yeah. short and sweet. It was nice. No, I like it. Like it the, the links that it went to were really good. Yeah. So, the second gag, but not the last part of this, was definitely rather interesting. Uh, this one had, had four um, little bits. Yes. Yeah. Definitely interesting. But the second like main short of this is Fleece and Desist. 
which was uh, directed by David Gimmel, also written by him, as well as Michael Rukoko, Johnny Ryan, and Jacob Fleischer. Fun fact about this. And I noticed for a fact, I looked it up. This is a Sam and Ralph cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's the first Sam and Ralph short since Woolen Underwear from 1963. If we don't count movie cameos wow. and they did a brief they did an appearance in one of the Looney Tune TV episodes. But regards mm-hmm. to a short, this is the first one since nineteen sixty three. And it's good to have them back even forty seven years later. Yeah. Even fifty seven years later, because I can do math. Yes. <laughs> oh man. All right. So um it it is short. Uh, there's only three gangs in this one as opposed to well they make all that time count they do so we open like like every ralph and sam sheepdog cartoon where they clock in for the day you know ralph's like uh, how was your weekend like oh, it was okay and ralph's like oh no that's good no no news good news and you know we get our setup you know so uh the first guy here is uh, Ralph is using a carpet to generate static electricity. So he's going to use static electricity to get the sheep. He tests it on himself. It works. So he uses static electricity to get a sheep. And he gets yeah. gets a sheep. He's about to walk away. And then he gets lifted up by static electricity because Sam had a balloon. Which is a very nice time. Very clever. Very clever. So, of course, Ralph gives Sam the, the sheep back as there's a nice, um, consistent punching due to the electricity. So he's able to, like, punch Ralph repeatedly, which is... Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Again, these two are really funny because when they're going about their usual antics, they don't talk. And so having, like, Sam absolutely, like, silent and, like, continuing to beat up Ralph or, like, throw, throw him around is, is very funny. Right, in the uh, in the next gag, uh, Ralph hides in the bushes, uses a plunger uh, crossbow, gets a sheep. He thinks he's won. Takes the sheep, goes to his um little cottage, gets the the food already. puts puts an apple in the sheep's mouth or whatever. puts him to the oven. He sits by the fire, <laughs> reading a book. I love it. The clock it takes off. Goes back to the oven, slightly opens it, and it's just Sam oh. Fist. Sam Fist. Which, <laughs> that's so funny. That is how it goes. How did he get in there? <laughs> so creative. So Sam just takes the sheep home, shuts the door, and Ralph just goes flying. Um, I assume into the oven. <laughs> or, yes. Or have you. I think so. And this last gag I liked a lot. So Same. Ralph distracts Sam by having a, a bone, throws it in their direction, and Ralph just goes <laughs> he goes off screen, comes back, and it's like a painting of the sheep. So he puts that in front yes. of Sam of uh, Sam's point of view so that when Sam comes back he just sees the sheep there. Would you think he would have noticed that the sheep wouldn't move, but whatever. So, <laughs> Ralph just goes around the corner, picks, 
he he's about to bite into the sheep. He bites into the sheep, but discovers it's made out of cardboard. Yeah. <sighs> Sam switched out all of the, the sheep with cardboard sheep. Yes. <laughs> and and he punches uh, Sam finds Ralph, punches Sam. Sorry, um, Sam punches Ralph, and it flattens, it flattens uh, Ralph. So Sam yeah. just walks, walks on over, collects all of the cardboard sheep, collects Ralph, who's now flat, and puts it into a recycling bin. <laughs> That's great. I love that. And, you know, the hands out, and then there's uh, the whistle blows. Sam and Ralph walk back, and Sam's like, <laughs> okay. So see you next week. And of course, Ralph is flat and he's having a hard time clocking out. So and he goes, let me help you, Ralph. And he just slams his hand into the clock out machine. Says, all right, see you That's tomorrow. Great. And and I, I love the, the end the end uh, towel thing because we see we cut to his hand. And it just says, you know, Ralph, the, the wolf dog and his receipt. And it says the end through the time card, and the time card flies through, and it's just a matte shot of his hand with the words "the end" yes. in it. That's such a nice touch. I love touch. that. Such a nice touch. Yeah, this is a very nicely put together Sam Ralph short. Oh man, yeah, I agree. It felt it felt good. Gags were original. It was all good. Yeah, no, all the gags worked. It was very true to the form of, of classic Sam and Ralph cartoons. I loved it. I, I I thought it was excellent. Yeah, yeah, I give this a four point five out of five. I'm giving it a five because I loved it so much, and I don't want to give off any points. So, so last thing, it's a Marvel the Martian gag, and it's a little gag where. Marvin is, he puts the flag into the planet, and the flag gets pushed out. It's like, okay, that's weird. And we do this for a little bit, and they pan out to reveal, it's kind of the moment from Duck the Muck where the, the, the tape yeah. goes, and then there's two daffies. It's that, yeah. where it turns out there's another Marvin the Martian on the other side trying to put the flag through, yeah. so it's, and it just ends with Marvin... Both Marvins on the camera going, it's going to be a long one, folks. And then we just... <laughs> really creative. Yeah. I'd give that a four. I'd give that a four out of five as well. I'll give that a four as well. That's that's a really fun one. So, of the ones we looked at today, which one was your favorite? Which one was your least favorite? All right. I think my favorite one was... Um, yeah, I think my favorite one was um, Siberian Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the Sam and Ralph one came very close and my least favorite was Curse of the Monkey Bird because it, it felt very generic and very much like anything that Cartoon Network can do mm-hmm. I think for me my favorite it, it, it was a tie between uh, Siberian Sam and uh, Rhino You Don't which is so funny considering my okay. my history of uh, tree cartoons but um, yeah that is funny it, it really noted uh, least favorite uh, I'm at least favorite to, to harm uh, wrestling because I, I yeah, okay, it was fair. again I, I felt yes they did release the um 
the uh, Rollercoaster one first. But I feel as like the first one you put in the first episode, you could have put a better one, including Siberian Sam. <laughs> I, I feel yeah. that would have been a much better introduction to this is what we're doing with the Bugs and Sam dynamic than uh, arm wrestling. Right. No, no, no. This is a good enough batch overall. I think we had some really good ones in here. Yeah. Let's uh, let's see what you guys thought of them. Our old friend Cody, um, who is now at the Whisper of Sea, got back to us here. He said, "I'm disappointed. Episode three wasn't on this list, but since Sylvester's in five, I guess it still counts. I friggin' love his design. The yellow eyes really pop, and I love his bulbous nose. Yeah, the Sylvester design's really good. Yeah." You know, I think they did well. I think the, the voice and the design, that is Sylvester. They did well. Um, episode two, Cody says, I really hate Daffy. He's just an idiot, obnoxious, and only there to be crazy. No greed? Uh, yep. That That's yeah. the intention. It is there. Yeah, that is the point of the character. Yeah. Yeah, that's the intention is, is to do the crazy Daffy, not so much the later Chuck Jones greedy get Daffy. Right. They're trying to do Clampett, not Jones. Right. And also have a brief little thing here from Osiris at Zero Zero Mento Fan, who said that it, it was hard for them to find this show as they live on the other side of the Atlantic. Which, um, by the way, holy shit, that's that's insane that you listen to our show all the way over there. And second, um, yeah, it is. Um, HBO Max hasn't really been put everywhere internationally, but um, you can find it. I won't say where. Yeah, there are sites where, like, you know, they've got good rips of it. You got it. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they improve that within the next uh, year or so that everyone yes. can watch these. The world needs to see this show. They do. They really do. All right. Thank you all for your comments. So then next week, we're doing four more. We already talked yes. about that. Which ones are we doing? We're doing episode nine, which consists of the shorts. Overdue Duck, a interstitial called Bees, followed by Vincent Van Fudd, ooh, an actual Elmer Fudd mm. short. That'd be intriguing. Yay! Also doing episode 13, which is Chain Gangsters, which is a Rocky and Muggsy and <gasps> Granny short. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. As well as well with Bugs. That's Good. Uh, followed by a uh, brief interstitial called Sylvester Car Jack Lift. And Falling for It, which is a uh, Daffy and Porky uh, short. Also, we're looking at episode 26, which is Mallard Practice, which is a Daffy Duck No More Fudge short, which is, which is interesting. Really. Good. Hopefully, it's not racist. <laughs> we had a. Um, a Mouse interstitial with Beaky Buzzard. Uh, okay, so so for like 15 seconds, they bring back a, a Yup Yup character. And okay. Born to be Wily, which is a Rowan or Wily Coyote mm. short. That's lovely. Hooray. And we end with episode 28, which is, which is Marv Attacked, which is, of course, a Bugs Bunny Marvin the Martian short. Good. And a Wolf in Sheep Clothing. Which is a Ralph Wolf and Sam Sheepdog short. So we have a once again we end we end with a Sam and Ralph one. Yeah. I'm excited. All right. Well, those are the ones to look forward to next week. And uh, okay, I uh, I think those are gonna be uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I think so too. That is the end of this week's show. 
and like the About With Us on Twitter. You could follow me at Mark Halem, 1995. And you can follow me at Tall Guy Schmidt. If you like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, you can follow at that underscore loony or type in the podcast title. We are the first results. You can also find this podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes your Apple Podcasts, your Google Podcasts, your Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Anchor, any of those fun ones. We're, we're still there. You, you know where to find us. All right. So until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan. And, uh... As the most recent cartoons we're doing, what can what can be better? Even more recent cartoons. Matter of fact, in two weeks we're going to be doing cartoons from fucking 2030 or whatever. So tune in for the future. <laughs>